0: Bottom line is that everything that needed to be done was done to fix the power grid in Texas.
1: Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
2: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, You know, you're on with us. So you've got power. You're able to listen. Electricity was uh, an interesting issue uh, once again this week in Texas. Who knows, it'll probably continue to be an interesting issue, getting asked to conserve, uh, things getting tight. You just heard there from uh, Governor Abbott uh, talking about how everything that needed to be done was done to fix the grid after we saw those big blackouts uh, in February of 2021. And yet here we are uh, in summers, which we know are going to be hot here in Texas. And the grid is still having issues uh, with, you know, comfortably having enough power to go around for everyone, Jason.
0: Yeah. And the governor's office says, listen, the grid has already done, uh, you know, beaten, uh, what, 20 something records so far for demand and usage. But this state is growing so fast, it's just tough to keep up with it. Uh, So we'll see how much of an issue this is physically going to be when it comes to the November election for, uh, for, for governor between Beto O'Rourke and between um, Greg Abbott. Mm-hmm. But the big question is, what are you drinking today, man? I okay,
2: the refrigerator clean out has begun uh, because, you know, I'm trying to do my part to cut down on energy use and the more stuff you have in there that needs to be cooled. And this stuff's been sitting at the back of the refrigerator and I figured out kind of why I didn't buy this. Uh, I think my wife may have, and maybe she's trying to tell me something. But we've got a uh, hop, skinny, low-calorie IPA. There is a message being sent to me in my refrigerator. My wife bought this for me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know quite how to take that. It's got 95 <laughs> it, it, Is calories. that an iced
0: tea? Uh, what? Is that an iced tea? Or,
2: or what is that, man? <laughs> no, it's an IPA. And first of all, I don't usually drink a lot of IPAs either. Uh, this is by the Community Beer Company, um, and I certainly don't usually choose the skinny drinks. So I think I'm going to predict is a
0: uh, an agenda here in the back of my. I, I'm sure there. I didn't want to say anything. Maybe your wife didn't want to say anything either. But um, <laughs> she has you know, said it, it was a, here. Apparently, I thought it was a <laughs> wide a wide shot on the camera. I, I didn't know. Um, she has said it loud what, what and clear
2: it? what she thinks here. I think
0: I, I predict though you're not going to like that beer because there's no fruit in it. yeah it does um wow okay yeah it it tastes skinny um (laughs) whatever the hell that means what (laughs) What do you what do you mean it tastes skinny what are you having i'm having El grito okay el grito lager from uh four corners in dallas four corners brewing company and you're you're going full calorie on us here Damn, and I spilled it all over me, too. <laughs> I just thought that. <laughs> Actually,
2: you're going to have that. as many yeah. calories as I am because you just spilled half the can when uh, you opened it there. Did you
0: shake that I'm thing be,
2: before we came on?
0: Uh, i to be wearing these calories <laughs> uh, here, here shortly. Uh, uh, El Grito's a good one, though. It's a lager here. But, um, you know, here's the thing about this beer. Uh, it, it's not refrigerated, not because the power's out, but because I just this is part of the stash at the desk that I haven't uh, – that I haven't put in the fridge yet. I need to have like a little ice box at my desk. No, then you're that. just adding to, to, to our, our problems
2: here by putting extra little refrigerators uh, there ah. in the office. You know, we're we're trying to keep everybody with enough power uh, as we head through this summer, especially. Um, and and you know, a lot gets made of this. It is, I mean, you can call it a Republican issue. You can call it a Democratic issue, depending on what side of the aisle you're on. Really, this is an all of us issue. I mean, you know, right. we got to have enough electricity in this state. And it seems like it keeps getting awkwardly close. And you are paying much more for electricity now if you go on and try to find a rate than you would have been a year ago. And part of that is because we keep coming up so close to the line here.
0: Yeah. And here's a problem, too, is that we're, we're going into another week here with triple digit temperatures. Yep. I'm looking at the forecast across the state, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, and it's triple digits everywhere you look. Now, that's the Texas summers. What we haven't had in a while is is this – electric grid struggling to keep up with that yeah, because of, you know, so many people moved in. There's so much going on. The economy here is is really uh, is really popping. But this is creating an economic issue and a political one. Well, it's a good thing then that we have uh, Ed Hers. He's on the line here
2: with us. He is uh, an economics lecturer at the University of Houston. Uh, He is also the energy fellow at U of H. And so he is way smarter than both of us and many other people combined on all of this stuff. Uh, The first thing, Ed, thank you for being with us here today. The first thing I want to ask you about is the governor's quote that we played there up top where he said everything that needed to be done with the Texas grid to fix it has been done. What do you say to that?
1: Well, as, as I said at the time, he was wrong and he's still wrong.
2: What is it specifically that is still wrong with this grid? I mean, here we are in in summer in Texas. We know it's going to be hot. We know we're going to use a lot of electricity. We know the population has grown like crazy here. What is still going wrong that we're being asked day after day to conserve electricity because it's getting really tight?
1: Well, you know, first, let me qualify this by simply saying, you know, this is not a Republican or a Democratic issue. Right. You know, this sort of incompetence is equal opportunity for both parties. California has been under a democratic regime uh, for decades, apart from the brief interruption by the gubernator, Governor mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger, who, who was elected because Gray Davis presided over the grid failure in 2000-2001 and 2000, um, was recalled. And we don't have a mechanism like that here. Mm-hmm. But uh, the challenge is for two decades, there's been underinvestment in the Texas grid. ERCOT is not empowered to invest and, and dictate what happens. ERCOT is there to provide some sort of management actions. Uh, the PUC approves who gets onto the grid, uh, as does ERCOT. But the the legislature and the, the governors, you know, Bush, Perry, and Abbott, have structured the game for the ERCOT grid mm-hmm. to be one of, of shortfalls, high prices, and uh, a lack of investment.
2: And it's sort of built that way, as you say. And, and, and for people who are not familiar, the PUC is the Public Utility Commission here in Texas. They oversee uh, ERCOT, which is the Electric Reliability Council uh, of Texas. Um, and, and that's essentially the grid operator, the grid manager here um, I, I would say that, you know, ERCOT has become, you know, kind of despised by people. If you get on social media, uh, you know, they're the, they're the messenger uh, out there, um, Professor hers who is, you know, to blame for this, though, as you say, this goes back, um, you know, quite a few elected leaders here in Texas. And it sounds like it's a system um, that, at least in your estimation, is built in a way that is going to produce this result where there's a lot of people getting rich too aren't there
1: well yes i mean on on monday uh, tuesday uh, the price is capped out i actually went over the cap of five thousand dollars a megawatt hour mm-hmm. so you know putting yourself in the perspective of a consumer and you know i'm one of the consumers here in texas uh i'm having to pay more and i'm getting less at a time when i need it most mm. my employees, Burcot, the PUC, the legislators, and the governor are telling me to use less electricity because they won't make a move to change the way the grid is managed, operated, and and provide an incentive for companies to make an investment. In fact. Um, they turned down Starwood Energy's offer to build eight or 9,000 megawatts of capacity at the uh, uh, last March or April. And they also turned down Berkshire Hathaway Energy's offer to build nine ten thousand watts megawatts of capacity. And, and the reason they did is, it's kind of funny, well, we don't want to guarantee anybody a rate of return. Well, you know, that's been the case for eight of the 10 years prior to 2021. The generators on this grid did not earn a rate of return. And so naturally they weren't going to invest in new projects in, in total. They weren't going to reinvest in their old plants. And now we're sitting here trying to make do with coal plants that are, you know, 15, 20 years old at best, uh, 30 to 40 years old. You know, those are those are on their last legs. Natural gas fired generation units, not many have been built in the last. You know, five years. Most of those are ten years and older. You know, capital equipment wears down, and if you're an owner of one of these and you're not able to to make a profit, you know, why reinvest? Mm-hmm. And now, put it put it in the Wall Street perspective. Um, if we were to go to Wall Street and say, "Hey, I want to build ten thousand megawatts of power for the Texas Grid under the current arrangement," that would absolutely guarantee low prices in the wholesale market. Which would also guarantee that I wouldn't make any money on it. So no one on Wall Street is going to make a loan or or provide mm-hmm. the equity. Um, you know, until the legislature and and the governor act in a, in a positive, affirmative way to provide the correct incentives to change this market, we're mm-hmm. not going to get to a, a reliable, resilient grid.
2: So they're going to have to do it. not for years so what you're saying here is they're going to have to really change the rules uh, as to how all of this uh, is built Um, you you keep mentioning the wholesale price and and i think that a lot of people their eyes glaze over when we start talking about prices per megawatt hour and so forth but it's really important here so uh, earlier this week when the grid conditions got really tight once again which we've seen so many times and we're being asked to conserve we have to understand that you know we pay uh, whatever the rate is that we pay for our electricity uh, from our provider. Okay, we know what that rate is. There's a whole shadow market though behind that, and that is the wholesale market, and that is where power companies are going. You know, back and forth with each other. Like, okay, well, how much you know? How much do I need to pay to get more power to give to my customers? And as you mentioned, that that market it has a cap of $5,000 per megawatt hour. It's really not supposed to get all the way up to $5,000 per megawatt hour. It's supposed to be far lower than that. And they can't count on it anymore being far lower than that because we keep see it, seeing it spike because the, the everything is so tight. The, the conditions are so tight. How much does that trickle down to the rest of us? If, if my power company is having to go on this market and pay exorbitant amounts of money, To get enough power to deliver to me, what do I expect in the future as far as rates go? And how far how fast does that trickle down?
1: Depends on the the type of contract one has. Uh, most of us have fixed rate contracts, but I've I've noticed my my provider has kind of turned it over to a variable rate. I was just Hmm. reviewing the bill. Hmm. Um you know, in, in Australia, which as a nation led the way in deregulating power, their price cap is. $300 Three hundred dollars per megawatt hour, you know, Australian dollars. Wow, um, you know, here in in Texas, there is not one generator that doesn't make money at one hundred dollars per megawatt hour. So mm-hmm. seeing a price, ca- you know, jump up to five thousand gives absolutely the wrong incentive. You know, the 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 ideological uh, underpinnings of this grid that the the true believers in Austin. Would like to point out, well, that five thousand dollars is supposed to offer an opportunity for somebody to come in and make money, but that's that's not true. Uh what it does do is it provides the commodities traders a great way to cream money off the top of the market. The generators are you know, those that are in there at the cap are, are thrilled to be there. Uh, they can make a year's worth of, of profits in the space of a day or two. Hmm. You know, that's what we saw in 2021 when the ERCOT and the Public Utility Commission, apparently at the direction of the governor, set the price cap at $9,000 a megawatt for several days longer than the, the actual market required. Um, you know, keep in mind that CEO Magnus testified to that in the federal bankruptcy trial for Brazos elector. You know, the governor stated he didn't say that, but right. You know, the governor's not under oath and CEO Magnus, who's a, a very competent and well-respected lawyer, you know, knows about the, the issues of uh, perjury in federal court.
2: Let me ask you this. Um, you know, when, when it all comes down, though, I know that you we had talked before. You are one of these people who has to, you know, re-up on your plan and, and find a new electric provider. That happened for you this month. Um how long do you think it is before we start to see it reflected in the rates that are offered, the fact that we keep going through these really tight conditions and electric companies are having to pay so much on the wholesale market for electricity? How long before we start seeing those rates that we pay uh, really jumping when we get on that you know power to choose site and, and try to find a plan? How long before we really see a difference there?
1: We're seeing it now. Um, yeah. you know, there are a couple of components to the higher electricity rates for next year if you will uh, one is the higher price of natural gas but the other is the increased volatility in the market mm-hmm. and so the the ice futures us the commodities traders who are on the other side of, of a retail electricity provider or one of the generators for that matter mm-hmm. uh, are pricing this this insurance of a fixed a fixed rate much higher mm-hmm. for next year simply because they know that Texas is in a bind you know mm-hmm. we're at at eighty thousand megawatts of demand, we still haven't reached August yet, and we've got a system that's broken. And so, this indicates that we're going to be short on electricity, with any units tripping off. I mean, you know, ERCOT cannot explain why some of the the natural gas and coal-fired, the thermal plants, did not show up for work this week, and and you know that's a requirement for transparency in any kind of market. Uh, you know our social contract, you, me, and everyone listening, watching, is with the government of Texas to provide us reliable economic electricity. that's this is this is a regulated market. There's nothing competitive about this. it's mm-hmm. It's an administrative construction. You know, if this were a competitive market, you and i could call up somebody at, at NRG or Vistra or Calpine and we could get to work on getting our electricity to us but we can't we have to go through our elected officials who who then have the appointed officials at the PUC and ERCOT this this entire chain is broken there's no accountability for the the leadership at ERCOT or for the public utility commission when
2: you talk about uh, some of these electric uh, electric generators not showing up for work today, kind of explain that a little bit. What happened uh, this past week?
1: Well, uh, you know, Monday and Tuesday, uh, the the ERCOT issued the power alerts and said uh, we've got eighty thousand megawatts plus of, of of thermal capacity dispatchable electricity. In other words, generators that could be turned on and turned off. However, they were. They were only expecting 67,000 odd to to actually be there uh, that day because others had forced outages and they won't tell us what forced outages means. Are they broken, uh, poorly maintained, or has the owner simply decided to turn the units off for the day and and report a forced outage? You know, there's a game in this. If I'm a generator with, with 10 units and and I see that the market's going to be extremely tight on one day or another. I can keep two of them turned off and, and see this price jump to $5,000 a megawatt hour and I can clean up. Ed, do and do you
2: th- think that really happens?
1: Yes, there's no question that this happens.
2: There's going to um, be people in the industry who say that's just blasphemy. There's no way we would ever do that.
1: This market was designed by by commodities traders and MBAs with a healthy dose of input from Enron. This market has been manipulated for years. There's the first allegation uh, in front of the PUC in in two thousand three. Um, uh, there have been lawsuits against ERCOT uh, calling out uh, uh, different companies for market manipulation. You know there there seem to be no penalties uh, and. And we really don't know what happens on the other side. So, for example, say a, uh, a generator knows that there's going to be a tight market on Monday. There's no reason they don't and can't go into the ICE futures market and buy an offsetting position. Mm-hmm. And 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 well, they may not make any money in the the physical market, but they you know clean up in the financial market. There are mm-hmm. a bunch of games that that are being played. You know, the only loser in this. Is the consumer and the voter of Texas?
2: Mm. Um, I, I want to ask you. You said that there's not enough power plants coming online here in Texas, um, but we have seen explosive growth with population here. We've seen a lot of businesses coming here. We've got big semiconductor uh, factories that are going to be built here in the in the years ahead. Are we going to have enough power? Is this going to get worse? Uh, do we have the time to catch up here?
1: This is going to require some some serious planning from the Public Utility Commission and ERCOT. It's going to require the legislature to enact enabling laws to, to get out in front of this. Um, you know, building power plants and arrears is, is not, not very effective. Uh, certainly, we have a lot of wind and solar joining the grid, and, and that's very good. But that's not adequate, and, and everybody knows that. Uh, the lack of planning, the lack of planning and and perspective coming out of of Austin, is atrocious. Um, you know, I, you know, bring bring your own brisket and and potato salad if somebody from the BUC or ERCOT is uh, tells you they're planning a barbecue for this weekend.
2: Um, I, w- I want to ask you about uh, record temperatures. You know, this could be one of those record summers here in Texas. It has been shaping up I- I early here as a really hot one. Uh, should people be giving any slack to regulators or policymakers for the fact that it's getting tight? I mean, should we be saying, well, you know, it is a record breaking hot summer, so we can see why they'd have problems?
1: No, this is a job. They have failed to ensure a, an adequate grid, you know. and again, our economy has grown from $1.25 trillion in 2010 to $1.99 trillion in 2021, and the grid has not kept up. It is really pretty obvious when you just pull the numbers and lay the chart out. They don't match. The grid has not grown proportionately to the population and economic growth of Texas um, and and this was easy to see. The ERCOT model that was instituted decades ago does not allow for a return on investment, uh, a rate of return that does not uh, allow for any vagaries caused by uh, weather uh, patterns changing. And this is exactly the same type of central planning model that was used by the Soviet Union until, of course, that failed in the 70s with their massive crop failures. Um, yeah, we haven't even Texas has not even learned from the failures of the Soviet Union.
2: Hmm. Uh, last question for you, Ed. We've got midterm elections coming up. We've got a lot of big state races here in Texas. This has become an issue on the campaign trail, electricity and the reliability or unreliability of it here in Texas. Uh, what are your thoughts about between now and November? Do you think if you had to pull out a crystal ball? that we will be able to keep power flowing from now through November, or do you think that we might see blackouts on any given day as we head through this summer and into November? Because that's going to be a huge political issue if it happens again, especially.
1: Well, certainly the governor's made it um, one of his key promises. Uh, Brad Jones, the interim CEO of ERCOT, actually finally admitted in an interview, well, maybe some of these old plants aren't up to snuff. Uh, And ERCOT in, in May, told these power plants to defer maintenance so that they could get through that power emergency or conservation alert, and they said the same thing in June, and now they said the same thing in July. So we've got a bunch of power plants that are kind of teetering on the edge. In fact, we we had one with an explosion, at the Parish plant uh, owned by, by NRG, and it, it's not back online. Um, I, I think the odds of, of having interruptions uh, increase each day that these plants are not not, not well maintained. Um, you know, how it works out politically is, is well, that, that's up to the competitors and the race, but certainly the, one, the ones that can make the difference right now, uh, they are the incumbents, the, the incumbent governor, the incumbent lieutenant governor, the incumbent speaker of the house, uh, they can take action. Uh, it's it's not going to be enough or quick enough to get us through the summer, but what they do now could help us get through next winter and next summer.
2: Is it possible because it's been brought up? Is it possible to connect Texas into the national grid? And would that matter? Would that take care of any of these problems?
1: Well, there are a couple of issues here. First of all, our grid uh, among those on the national uh, circuit, if you will, is the weakest. So, we would have to do an awful lot of work to, to try and convince our neighboring grids to let us in. Plus, we would have to you know, fall under federal regulation. Now, keep in mind, those grids that were federally regulated made it through the 2021 freeze without nearly the problems that we did. So maybe there's something to this federal regulation. Um, second, the you know, are hooking up to them. I mean, this is not like UT and A and M joining the Southeastern Conference for crying out loud. <laughs> um, uh, this this is not an equivalent, and it would take about five years to begin to you know first if we started today to think about engineering the connections and building the interconnections around the state so that we could actually uh, accommodate two way flow back and forth out of out of the state to MISO. Uh, the the continent Independent System Operator, and uh, which is connected to PJM, Pennsylvania, Jersey, and Maryland. Uh, the Southwest Power Pool, which is uh, other states, and then the Western Interconnect, where El Paso Electric is is plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this takes a lot of work, and and now keep in mind the other grids are not really in robust, resilient shape either. Uh, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation said that MISO was going to be 5,000 megawatts short of necessary capacity if it gets mm-hmm. really hot just to our east and north. Now, MISO can draw power from east and west, and so they should be able to get through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, one of the, the fallacies of the big transmission grid is that it's only as useful as the fleet of generators underlying it. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just Texas and California that have have damaged the economics for their generation plants. Mm-hmm. Other states have. We've just hit the wall a lot faster simply because our economy has been growing a lot faster than than other states. Mm-hmm. You know, this this sort of market in the northeast where there's eroding uh, economic activity and eroding population, you know, they can get by with old equipment and and probably not have many issues but in texas we can't
2: hmm. so it's not a cure-all just to connect into the uh, national grid
1: no and it, and it's it's certainly not as simple as, as hooking an extension cord into hmm. louisiana for crying out loud
2: ed hers uh lecturer uh, in economics at the university of houston my alma mater i always fit that in uh, and the Energy Fellow at the University of Houston. I know that you are a busy, very in-demand guy these days, Ed. Uh, so thanks for taking the time with us. Really appreciate it. And uh, here's to hoping that the lights do stay on.
1: You know, Jason, hope and prayer is, is not an effective strategy for something that, that's dependent upon sound engineering and and decent economics.
2: professor hers uh sounding very professorial there as he signed off uh with us before he hung up on the this call with us saying nope uh hopes and prayers are not going to make this thing work uh jason this is going to take some real uh political guts it's going to take a lot of money it's going to take a lot of good sharp minds to figure out how to make things right here in texas right now
0: and for the future as we just continue to grow And it's going to be an issue come November in the gubernatorial race. Beto O'Rourke has been talking about this ever since the February 2021 freeze that had the power outages across the state. He's talking about it a lot more right now. You know, on Tuesday, he starts a 49-day tour all across the state, traveling 5,600 miles. And this is one of the main things he's talking about. One of his campaign tenants is specifically about uh, the electric grid. And one of the things he says, Jason, is that – Texas needs to join the national grid. It needs to break this thing up and we need to have more uh, reliability. ERCOT, the R in ERCOT stands for reliability. But Beto says we simply don't have it right now. And one of the things he's talking about, he really wants this state, if he is elected, to join the national grid. You said you wanted to connect the uh, Texas electric grid to the national power grid. I'm curious how much you think that
3: might cost and how long it would take. We already have interconnections in a limited fashion in different parts of the state of Texas. For example, in my hometown of El Paso, our power did not go out last February. We didn't have a conservation notice um, last week uh, because we're connected to the western grid of the United States. We see some of that in East Texas as well. So I know that we can build on those connections for the rest of the state, including those who live in Dallas Fort Worth and North Texas, as well. Not only does that allow us to draw down power when we need it, but we can sell it back onto the national grid when we are creating a surplus. This is the energy capital of the world right here in the state of Texas. We need to start acting like that. And no longer should families or businesses fear that we won't be able to keep the lights on or the heat running or the water flowing in the state of Texas. We should at least be able to do that. And when I'm governor and we connect with the national grid, we will. You know, twice last week, the state got really tight on electric supplies. Doesn't Texas need to incentivize
0: more natural gas-powered electric plants in the state that can turn on immediately
3: when the sun isn't shining in West Texas or the wind isn't blowing? Absolutely. I think it needs to be all of the above. And I'm so grateful for and proud of the fact that we're an energy leader in oil and gas. And as you said, Gas is an important fuel source for the generation capacity that we need here in the state of Texas. When you supplement that with solar and wind and increasingly geothermal, and in the future hydrogen, you have a mix in our portfolio that ensures sustainability, allows us to confront climate change, and guarantees that we can be the leader in the world on energy, not just today, but for the next century. That's what we have to be focused on now in Texas.
0: And that's really the thing at the bottom line here, Jason, is that the state needs more plants they can physically turn on if the wind isn't blowing in West Texas or the sun isn't shining in West Texas. And natural gas uh, is that. He says he's for a a diverse portfolio, Mm -hmm. for having everything available. We'll wait and see whether any of that actually happens, if he is elected, of course. And for the record, we have reached out multiple times to... The Greg Abbott campaign, he was unavailable for an interview with us. So I wanted to make sure and we point that out as uh, Beto O'Rourke is getting so much playtime here on uh, or airtime, not playtime. This is Wheeler's playtime. <laughs> it's Beto O'Rourke's airtime on politics.
2: Yeah, you know, it, 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 the governor, uh, you know, at some point, obviously, will have to address this, though. This is something that I think enough people are talking about. It is being brought up by his opponent. And it is something that, you know, people are aware of as an issue just because we keep getting so close and people keep getting asked to, you know, jack up their, you know, thermostat to 78 degrees or whatever it is. Uh, do you do that, by the way, when they ask you to do that?
0: My house is like 83 degrees all the time. man. <laughs> you're, you're such a penny I, I have a small pincher. place. I have a small place where I'm not like you with this, this big spread you have. Well, I cool I mean, it you, one you, wing. You keep at your time, cars though. running all the time. I only cool you, you the keep wing your cars running. In. Yeah, probably so. I, I, it makes sense, but you, I'm, I'm sure you also keep your cars cool because you don't want to have to step into those and have it so hot. Well, this fully
2: explains why you always join the podcast uh, half-dressed on these Zoom meetings, because <laughs> if it's 83 in your house, that is sort of uncomfortable. Uh, and now that we've made everybody else uncomfortable, uh, thank you all, as always, for listening. Here's hoping that your AC uh, stays on and uh, that everything is working and in order because it doesn't look like we're going to get a let-up as far as the temperatures go for some time. Uh, We will do it all again next week. Thanks for being with us.